You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany Sermon Series, Wise, Life as Gift, Not Gain. In this series from Ecclesiastes, we'll learn to see life as fundamentally a gift to receive and enjoy, not a hill to climb or a gain to achieve. This path of wisdom teaches us to live in the uncertainty and tensions of life under the sun. Now hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes 11.8 through 12.5. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is a breath. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth, with a whole life before you, is a breath. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in blossom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. This is the word of the Lord. may be seated. Well, good morning, Sojourn. My name is Bobby. I am one of the pastors here. Peace be with you. It's Sunday. You know what that means. Uh, we call this our first step in a journey into the scriptures together each week. Our second step is a Wednesday evening Bible study, 6.30 p.m. We'll be journeying through today's text, and we'll also be looking this Wednesday at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20, talking about being filled with the Spirit and making the most of every opportunity. And this is all part of our mission, to reach people with the gospel, build them up as God's church, and then to send them wherever God leads to be champions of truth, beauty, and goodness. And to do that, you have to be wise. So this summer, we've been journeying through the book of Ecclesiastes in a series called Wise. Life is gift, not gain. And today we've come to the last Sunday in that series. Thanks to uh, Melissa for reading today's text. What a great teaching for young adults here at Sojourn, like many of you. Speaking on behalf of the 50-plus crowd, uh, I'll be 50 exactly one month from today, so I'll go ahead and speak on behalf of those 50 and above and say, we do not appreciate being made into a cautionary tale. (laughs) Enjoy your youth before you become like Bobby up there. Look at him, bald head, bifocals as thick as telescopes. Did you see him drag along up the stage steps like some kind of dying grasshopper? Have fun now before you like this guy. But 
maybe this text isn't that great for any of us because the teacher is yanking our expectations up and down like a yo-yo. Let the elderly rejoice. But remember, there will be dark days. (laughs) Young people, you can do anything you want. But remember, God is watching. (laughs) Have fun exercising your youthful body. But ultimately, it's pointless. How do we even reconcile some of this? Let's look especially at chapter 11, verse 9. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Now, on first reading, this seems like do everything you want, but not really because God's over there with a notebook. He's like Santa. He seems nice and all, but he's making a list and he's checking it twice. Not only that, but the teacher keeps using this phrase that is used throughout the book, which we're translating, everything is a breath. Your Bible translation may say everything is meaningless or pointless or vanity. And as Pastor Stephen said at the beginning of this series, these are all English translations of the Hebrew word hebel. And the main connotation is more about time than quality. Everyone and everything is hebel in the sense that it does not last. And no matter how strong it seems, it can be gone in an instant. This word hebel is also used in the Bible as the proper name of one person. And we anglicize the spelling and the pronunciation, but what's a famous Old Testament name that sounds an awful lot like Habel? Abel! Abel wasn't a bad guy. He was a good guy. Loved his mama. Brought a pleasing offering to the Lord. But he dies suddenly and senselessly in a surprise attack by his own brother, the first murder in the Bible. Up until that point in the narrative, the reader might have expected Abel is going to go on to to, to become a major character with this great big story arc like Abraham and Sarah, or at least like Gideon, or Ruth, or Elijah, or Esther. But in one fell swoop, it is over. Hey, Bell. You come here every Sunday, assuming that if God loves us and if he's given us this great big book, that the things we read from it will be helpful and uplifting, that our lives will be better and we will become more like Jesus by pressing in to what we learn. But how can that be true today? Maybe we can cheat a little bit and see if the teacher provides a summary statement at the end. And then in light of that summary statement, we'll go back and read these uh, confusing, difficult passages. And look, lo and behold, on the very next page, the last chapter in Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. Here is a summary statement of the whole book. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, 
for this is everyone's duty. An Old Testament professor named Ellen Davis points out that this phrase, everyone's duty, isn't exactly what the Hebrew text says. Our translators add it because they're, they're trying to help us make sense of the application point, make sense of you know, how we would write this in English. But the literal translation would be something like, fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone, or for this is all humanity, or most literally, for this is every Adam. In Hebrew, Adam was the word for humanity, or humans, humankind, the Old English mankind. So when we read in Genesis that God created a man or a human in the Garden of Eden, the literal word there is an Adam. God created an Adam. And then we learn that God creates a second Adam from the side of the first one. And the second one is an Isha, a female Adam. The first one we learn is an Ish, which is a male Adam. So we have an Isha and an Ish, but they are both Adam. We are all Adam. Now, later, after they sinned and they were driven from Eden, this, uh, this word for human became the proper name for the first one. Kind of like if you just started calling yourself humanity or mankind. There was a famous wrestler named Mankind. He fought Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It is doubtful that he uh, looked at Genesis or Ecclesiastes when he was deciding to call himself Mankind, but one never knows. In Ecclesiastes, the teacher uses this word Adam in the sense of humanity over 50 times, more than any other book in the Bible. The teacher is a great philosopher and poet. He chooses his words with precision. So we should consider his literal statement, for this is every Adam. This is something we should chew on. Ellen Davis writes, fearing God and keeping the commandments is more than a duty. It is what constitutes our humanity. It is our personhood. It's not just what we should do. It is who we are. It is who we were created to be. Fearing God and keeping his commands is the secret to a life of meaning and purpose because it is what we were created for. Otherwise, we're out of sync with our very purpose. So any amount of thrill-seeking or uh, anxiety reduction, any amount of rest, if it goes against and keeps us from our purpose, will fail to satisfy in the end. In light of this, let's Let's look at this difficult passage again. Chapter 11, verse 9. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Before reminding us that we must give an account to God. We'll get to that in a second. First, it, it sounds like the teacher is saying, carpe diem, seize the day. But that's not quite it. The key verb in all of Ecclesiastes is give. And it is most often used in the sense of God giving to us. The teacher's message is not so much seize the day, 
as receive the gift with gratitude and humility. We accept life and all the simple gifts that God offers us each day. We open our hands and we say, thank you. And this is really what giving an account to God is all about for those who are in his family. Remember earlier in Ecclesiastes, this same teacher wrote chapter 9, verse 7. Pastor Jonah preached on this two weeks ago. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. That's why he made the food. That's why he made the wine. That's why he made the air. That's why he made the water for our enjoyment, for the enjoyment of all life. Think of a parent lovingly planning the birthday of their little one. All day long, they try to make the day special, including a big party at the end. And then later, after all the presents have been opened, all the cake is eaten, the last of the guests have gone home. Mommy or daddy tucks the child into bed and says, well, did you enjoy your birthday? What was your favorite part? Tell me all about it. And this is God's heart for us. When we, every atom, are living out of our identity, keeping his commands out of the overflow of a heart that knows its purpose, then we know his encouragement to enjoy every minute of life does not involve the subjugation, the degradation of our own bodies, other people, or any aspect of God's creation. And with, with that context, we can do what pleases us and remember to tell God what we enjoy. But of course, the degradation and the subjugation of our own bodies, other people, and other parts of God's creation is awfully tempting. It is tempting to forget God and to break his commands. And when you get generations after generations living this way, every atom, then you get a world where heartache and death rule over us. The tragedy of Adam and the sense of all humanity and proper name Adam back there in Genesis is that we have all become Habel, the child who does not live forever, but who dies a senseless death outside of Eden. But God, in his mercy, took on flesh to enter into humanity's story and change our fate. Fulfilling his own law on our behalf as one of us. He is the second Adam who showed us what it means to be truly human. Fear God, obey his commands, and live a life of grateful enjoyment. Then through his death and resurrection, he defeated evil and death, these powers that ruled over us. And in his ascension, he took human flesh up to heaven, showing that we are all welcome home. 
Hundreds of years after Ecclesiastes, the minister Paul wrote this in Romans 5, verse 16. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Once again, we see that God gives and we receive. And all the Habels who receive this gift and experienced union with Christ, Peter, Martha, Apollos, Priscilla, you, me, now have eternal life with all the pleasures of the kingdom. We no longer have to fear death because we know what comes afterward is better and that frees us up to live a life of gratitude and accept and appreciate all the gifts we receive in this life. Of course, this means sharing the good news of Jesus. Of course, this means loving God and loving others and showing special compassion for the poor, the sick, the oppressed, the abused, orphans, widows, refugees. It also means receiving God's gifts and having a wonderful time. Jesus showed us how to do that too. We are united to the one who turned water into wine to keep the party going. So we look to his example and we follow Ecclesiastes 11. We do what we want from an inner core that has been shaped by the Holy Spirit to find our identity in Christ and to experience joyful fulfillment in doing the things we were created to do. We savor delicious food and we feed the hungry. We enjoy receiving new clothes and we clothe the poor. We relish hiking in the mountains and we say no to mountaintop removal. We are fascinated to learn from all cultures and we long for the day when all tribes and tongues, the sexes, the redeemed from every social class sit together, eat together, laugh together, dance together at the feast of the kingdom of God. So, with that in mind, here is my Monday challenge to you. Something to begin doing tomorrow and to do every day this week. A new habit to form. Few of us would compare the entirety of our lives to a young child's birthday party. We've all had dark days. And when we face hard times, it's easy to lose sight of the many simple gifts that God gives us each day. Air to breathe clean water, music, friendship, cheese. You all know about cheese, right? So in light of all this, in light of cheese, in light of all God's simple gifts, I want you to end each day asking yourself a question that Kristen and I ask our girls before we tuck them in bed each night. What is one thing that happened today that you were thankful for. Now, we all have days that are so dark, 
all we can do is cry out, why? Or how long, O Lord? And God is big enough to take that. But for the vast majority of our days, this exercise of ending your day, asking yourself, what is one thing that happened that I can be thankful for, is an exercise in recognizing, remembering, and showing gratitude to God for the many simple gifts that he gives us every day that most of the time go unnoticed and even unappreciated by us. So ask yourself this question this week. Take this Monday challenge. Talk about it with your spouse or your roommate, your best friend, accountability partner, groups that you're in. We'll talk about this in a second step on Wednesday before diving into Ephesians 5. What is one thing that happened today that I am thankful for? Recognize, remember, show gratitude. The way that Jesus calls us to remember the reality of our union with him is one that reminds us of the teacher's call to be present every moment and savor those simple gifts. He takes bread. The most common food of Jesus' day. He infuses this small meal with eternal significance. This ordinary loaf is now for us a tangible invitation into the mystery of the gospel itself. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread like this one. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Then he took a cup of wine like this one. He said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me until I come again. As you partake this morning, remember the words of the writer of Hebrews. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus is never Hebel. It is a fountain of grace that flows forever, enough for the sins of the whole world. Every atom. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.